You probably know the hits. hits. Those guys? You probably know the Hey, how's it going, Jeremy? What's happening? Welcome to uh, our presumably first episode of our podcast. Uh, my name's Jason. That's Jeremy. Um, we are setting out to make a podcast about uh, about music. Both of us are, uh, I guess you would say, music geeks, or I guess more formally, music snobs in our own way. Uh, sure. You know, um, we, we both have uh, differing bands that uh, we're fans of, and we have uh, strong opinions on uh, some of uh, some of the bands not being worthy of a podcast, but uh, we'll, can, we'll get into yeah. those as we come across them. Can, can I just stop you for a second? I was sure. led to believe this would be a podcast exclusively about Matchbox 20, and <laughs> is that not what I've signed up for? It's funny you mention that, because the first episode is indeed actually about uh, yes. So, so yes. the way this is working, the way this is working is uh, both Jeremy and myself, right? We 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 do a whole bunch of, uh, I guess, on our own time, uh, researching and you know, re- reading biographies and listening to documentaries. We're both in our late thirties. We're kind of that uh, edge of you know, tail end of Gen X, maybe technically millennials, but you'll never hear us admit that. Um, you know, uh, I'm kind of an alt-rock guy, alt-rock, sorry. Uh, Jeremy's kind of all over the place, mostly, I guess, classic rock. Is that fair? Well, I think everything is rooted in classic rock, but through the years, the, that has branched out into the other areas. And some things that I, I came to like as I got older then turned into classic rock. Because, you know, like Metallica has been around for uh, 38 years. You know, I think there's... Something that happens with those bands, because I'll hear like Metallica talk about some of their influences, and then I'll go back and listen to them, and I'm like, that's unlistenable. That's so bad. <laughs> I cannot listen to this absolute garbage. And But I think what happens is, you know, those guys heard that band when they were teenagers in Los Angeles in the late 70s, and, and that time and place, like, they related so well to that and right. it was just it was, it was it was that time and place and that music even still today reminds them of that time and place and i feel like for me this is this is matchbox 20 because when they first came into my uh realm it was a time in life that was extraordinarily like uncomplicated and things were starting to get fun you know, you're starting to drive, you're starting to move out of the house and go away to college. And it was that like that, that those first two albums are like the, the soundtrack to that time in my right, life. Wait, 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 one second. Did you say two albums? The first two, the first two albums. Okay. Yes. So I think that it, maybe, maybe I'm out of touch or whatever, but I think that for most of the world, you know, mm-hmm. all of our millions of fans listening to this, they're going to be surprised to hear that there is more than one Matchbox 20 album. I, I honestly, I'm, no shit, not, not trying to uh, like um, <clears throat> make it See? up on the spot here. I honestly did not know that there was something beyond that first record. We're not going to go album by album. Okay, thank uh, God. And, All right. and rank them and okay. listen to them. Uh, okay. We're not going to do that. 
But, so, um, but just real quick, top seven. Top seven. And, uh, <laughs> well, there's only six, so that's, um, <laughs> no, or, uh, you know, here's, uh, there might be more than six, I'm not sure. But I know for me that the, after the third one, I probably quit paying attention. Third um, one. Oh, my God. You are, you probably know more about Rob Thomas than Rob Thomas. Jesus. Yeah, oh, three, yeah. Three Matchbox 20 records. Oh, my three. God. Yeah. Yeah, and, wow. and they, they, they fascinate me today. And we can start in the in the here and now because they fascinate me today because you know Rob Thomas has his like solo thing, and the other guys are basically just like sitting around waiting for that phone to ring um, every year. Like, are we going to tour this year? Are we going to make a new album this year? Because Rob Thomas so, is always doing his solo stuff. So, so does he have solo records that he's done? Are, are they moderately successful, or is it like? So this, let's just start at the beginning because this, <laughs> this is all going to, I'm going to answer these questions. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. So, awesome. so Matchbox in the, in the, in the mid nineties and, and, and you and I were, were dominating the uh, skating rink industry at that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, just dominating. Dominating. Yeah. Specifically, um, uh, I was a skate booth technician. I, I handed out sure. and took back skates from, uh, young punk teenagers and mostly kids under the age of 10. That was my job. And, and you were, skill, uh, you were the a skill DJ. you maintain, a skill you maintain to this day. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, somebody you asked for that. a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, sorry, sorry. A seven, uh, somebody, seven. Somebody, yeah, somebody asked for a seven and I, and I'm like, Hey, look, they run what a size, a seven? they run what a is, size small. So you need to, you need an eight. And that takes an expertise. Yeah. What about exactly. a seven and a half? And then, you know, and then people come and they have women's sizes or men's sizes. They don't oh, know God. that conversion. That's, that's non-trivial. I would adding, say, you, I would argue. two to 11. Yeah. You know, or subtracting it. That's, that, that's, you're talking about double digit math at that point. I, um, I would argue, I would argue you saved lives. Definitely. I, I think that's not a stretch to put you on the same level as like 9-11 right. rescue workers. And, you know, I think that that's a beautiful sort of poetic thing because you, you created lives. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't mind, uh, like we mentioned earlier, you were the DJ at this little skating rink mm -hmm. in Arlington, Texas. And every night there was a, you're going to have to help me here, but there was a particular romantic song you had to play like as if like, you know, freaking mm -hmm. Viacom or uh, was it Clear Channel? had made you and i am pretty sure there was there were probably some conceptions that happened you know after the skating rink uh, a number of those evenings thanks to your dj oh, prowess uh, probably not after the evening probably during because there was a real <laughs> lack of supervision um, also at uh, in, in so, particular because you and i were partially in charge you and i were in charge of that and <laughs> totally not doing our job so right. i uh, so this is interesting because i was like you know 14 15 years old and i i once ran the skate counter like you did and and then wow. got promoted, I got promoted one day to a snack bar, which was a big promotion. <laughs> and then one day, like the DJ didn't show up and they were like, you're up. You're the DJ now, <laughs> which was like the top job. The right. problem was I was like the most out of touch 15 year old on the planet. Like I did not know any current music. I knew what I had heard just from really? working there, but I didn't know any current music at all. I knew nothing. So I just... 
like I had other kids who were just up there skating, like up in the DJ's booth, trying to help me figure out what to play because right. I had no idea. And then, um, I mean, you, you knew enough that when they said the cure, you just told them, get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. Right. Out of but here. other than that. Cure, right. cure nonsense. Right. Um, so, it, but one, one of the songs that I knew and I liked was Push by Matchbox 20. Okay. Uh, which this was, you know, that came out in 96, so I was 14. But that, of all, like, the, the pop songs that were out at the time, that, to me, sounded a little bit more like rock and roll. Sure. Um, and I, I liked Rob Thomas's voice. I thought it was pretty unique. I thought it was good. Um, and so I always knew uh, that, at least. Um, and so in 96... And this is what you're going to have to do. I don't know if you did any prep for this at all, but they their their first album, uh, yourself or someone like you, came out. You listen to that album. The first seven songs are all hits, like, like they're, they're all on the radio. They're not. Oh, not, they're they're not just bangers. That you're like, this is a no, good song. It's like no, you no, know no. The, the top seven, like the front seven of it. No, these are all hits. These are all absolute bonafide hit. The, t- the first seven songs, you think you don't know seven Matchbox 20 songs? I don't. I, do. I'm like you, 3 a.m. Yes, and push or whatever, I think. No, you, the... you, you know these. Okay, you let's know, go through them. I'm telling you, you, don't, okay. you might not even realize the song title. Right, maybe. The yeah, first it, one? Well, just to be, you know, I, I think to impress our audience, you, just for clarity, you're not looking at a screen of the track list, are you? Uh, I am just because oh. I'm, I'm a professional. Okay, okay, okay. All right, not that big um, of a fan, but okay. Because because I, I want to get it right because the 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 order that they were released in is not the order that they are on the album. Okay, fair enough. So if if you just put the, put in uh, put in the CD in your sure. six CD changer in your car. Right. Um. Uh. We got Real World number one, which Jeez. okay, I forgot about that one. If you yeah. see, okay, right away. Yeah. And then we get then we have Long Day. Um, it's crazy you can you just saying the title of it the whole thing just starts popping into your head right away probably 20 years i don't know three three a.m was a song in like the first um the first um version of matchbox 20 was this other band called tap of the secret and uh three a.m uh was actually a song that they wrote okay Um, and so that's three a.m and then push all right and then Girl Like That, which off the like title, maybe you don't recognize it. If you listen to it, I, I bet you would recognize the hook. Okay. Okay. And yeah, then, that's the first one where I'm kind of like, eh. And then Back to Good. Yeah, now you're losing me. I, did, I then, definitely, I think, lost out where it was like uh, the saturation of the first four or five. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's my Fox 20. The, the, and then the last one is Damn, which, again, if, if you, uh, you, you might not recognize the title, I bet you'd recognize the hook. Uh, Crazy. You heard it. Uh, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, you put that album in. It's good. It's solid. Rob what? Thomas wrote, Rob Thomas wrote every one of them. Okay. Um, like he, he, like the guy, you, you can, people, there are things that people don't like about him. And we're going to get to the one thing that people don't like about him. Sure. Um, here in a second. Uh, but the guy can write songs and so, uh, um, I will make no apologies for the fact that I sure. love this album. So, so, so tell me this, you know, a lot of bands, Pink Floyd, Metallica, the, the, you know, it's a, it's a battle of egos. It's, it's multiple mm-hmm. songwriters. I don't know if James Hetfield can, you know, write a drum 
you know, mm-hmm. progression to save his life or whatnot. But there, you know, there's obviously these sort of, you know, Trent Reznor types or whatnot. Is yeah. is this Rob Thomas and the Who Cares? Like, does he do all of it? Does he do instrumentation? Does he just write lyrics? Uh, no. What? Okay. So they basically there's two there's two uh, like predominant other members that have been there from the beginning. There's there's um, there's Kyle Cook who's the the, the, the lead guitar player. Uh, okay. And then uh, there's this Paul Duquette or Duchette, I think Duquette, um, who started out as a drummer and then switched to like rhythm guitar, which is an odd move. Um, <laughs> okay. And but no, I mean Rob Thomas. Rob I think uh, that would that uh, that would be that that's that's a demotion, right? That's that's one of those things where like we're transferring you into another you know wing of the company. It, it's it's a side step. It's a side step. But then once you get there, you're kind of like, hmm. Well, I I like to think of it like this. Um, if you're a guy, it's like if you're just a musician sure. um, and you want to make a living playing music, is rhythm guitar for Matchbox 20 the worst you could do? Like, you know, you're probably doing okay, right? Right, right. Yeah, you're yeah. probably doing fine. For um, sure. Same thing with, with lead guitar. Um, so it, it, the sense I've always gotten is, is Rob Thomas writes the songs, brings them in. Those guys might, you know, they might add their little twist uh, to, to their parts, but okay. you know, this, is, this is Rob Thomas's band. Like there's no, okay. there's no like Matchbox Twenty is going on tour with a new lead singer. Okay. This is so this, like this. The mo- I, this this is forcing the question. I, the, I, I at this point I have to ask. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're familiar with the uh, multi-platinum Grammy Award-winning record "Supernatural" by Santana that mm-hmm. features. The song "Smooth" featuring Rob Thomas. Well, you've set this up. Did Rob Thomas write that song? Yes. What? And and the thing is, this is what people don't like about Rob Thomas. No, I think if he's smooth. Think, uh, yes. What are you talking? Like the the memes are all like the. The no. memes exist because it's just a straight up fact. It's like one of the, I don't know, in, in my opinion, one of the top 10 or 20 songs in our entire lifetime that's been made. That's like just, it is a, it is a cultural artifact, right? I mean, I, you kind of skipped over it, but earlier I was trying to get you to talk about how you, you know, you played Celine Dion's uh, My Heart Will Go On every night at the, ring, at the skating rink. And it was like a slow dance on the skating rink floor. Well, that's another yeah. one. I mean, no matter your musical taste, like My Heart Will Go On is like, it, it, it's a heavy hitter and smooth is a, a bigger even. Well, maybe not bigger, but it, it's huge, right? I don't think smooth has aged well. It was huge at the time. It was huge at the time, massive. But I don't think it has aged well at all. Interesting. I think the people now, and and let's be honest, you and I don't exactly have a huge circle of friends. Um, <laughs> we established so earlier that I listen to Depeche Mode. Maybe so. <laughs> in, a, in the Cure. Maybe in our bubble, uh, you know, you've got your opinions, I've got mine. But I know that even I, I've seen some. Uh, there's one particular uh, rock and roll writer that I like a lot, Stephen Hyden, um, okay. who has. Um, I think he's bagged on smooth a little bit. There's another local guy. Uh, he used to do the. Um, so the, God, I think just just for my benefit, Stephen Hyden mm-hmm. is that a like a Rolling Stone writer? Has he done books for people too, or? You know, I don't know who he writes for right now. Uh, he has written books. He, the most recent book he wrote, I think was about the Black Crows. 
Crazy. Okay. Um, cool. Cool. Good yeah. Ride. No. He's a he's a he's a guy that I like a lot. He's well respected. Um, cool. There's another there's another guy, um, a local guy here, um, who um, he used to do the Adventure Club on the Edge. Um, okay. Who's uh, he's so he's, we're he's we're talking about the uh, also. So I'm talking about the Dallas Fort Worth area alternative rock station yeah. in the mid late nineties. What yeah. was what was the what was the what'd you tune the dial to? I cannot remember. All I remember is ninety seven one the Eagle. Well the ninety four five and then I think they moved to one oh four point one. Okay, okay. Ninety four five is what I remember. Yeah, that's the one yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um so anyway, it's, I don't think Smooth has aged well. I think that probably uh, in the long run hurt his reputation because Smooth Okay, here's the thing, uh, and this is a really more of an indictment on Carlos oh, Santana. Oh, over, I don't, I don't oversaturation like of Rob Thomas, or what's the? I I think the song was a little bit gimmicky. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think it's just a song with like a ridiculous guitar solo over the entire song. Right. Um, true. That true. whole Supernatural album, I really hate. I'm I've, not I a fan not of Carlos Santana. Okay. I'm not a fan of Carlos Santana at all. Okay. I do not like him at okay. all. Like okay. I'm not a fan. Okay. Um, and I know someone who was in Santana. Like I've whoa, met whoa. the keyboard player and lead singer for Santana back in their heyday. Like three minutes and ago, you were talking about how you don't have a big friend circle. I, I this is this is my this friends, is a, this is a bomb. What what do you mean? Only You're friends, friends. I'm only with friends Santana. with rock, I'm only I'm only friends with rock and roll hall of famers. And uh, no, Greg Greg Raleigh was the lead singer and the keyboard player. So like when you hear Black Magic Woman, that's Greg Raleigh singing it, and that's Greg really? on the keyboard on the on the on the keyboard. Um, okay, he was the singer for Santana. And then when uh, when they formed Journey, Greg Raleigh was the keyboard player and the original lead singer for Journey. What? Um, yeah. Before Steve Perry joined, Greg was the lead singer for Journey. Like, I have sat at my parents' kitchen table across from Greg Raleigh and been like, so do you remember Woodstock? Um, and he was like, yeah. And yeah. I, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's... So, the, <laughs> but great. point being, e- even with like a personal connection to Santana, and, <laughs> and having that, and having that, and going back and re-listening to Santana, knowing I know the person who really made this sound. Oh no! I'm like, nope. I'm still not a fan. It just yeah. it doesn't do anything for me, man. So I think Rob and and Rob Thomas himself, I think, has recently said he really does not like that song at all. Whoa. Okay. So is this the controversy? Is this like you, you, you hinted that there was something you're going to get to that was, well, uh, no, that this is it. I, I think that's it's that he did this song. It was sure. the biggest song in the world for probably right. a couple of months. Like it was huge. Yeah. It was, it literally did win something like, like, I don't know, 10 Grammys or some kind of yes. insane amount of Grammys. And I think, which is, which was, is, you know, that, that may be one of those mathematical equations, right? Yeah. The more Grammy something wins, the more cliche and like, you know, uh, played out it's going to be, or already has been, you know, possibly. But, but some of it holds up well. You know, Inner Sandman holds up just fine. Um, sure. But but Smooth does not. Okay. And I think Smooth, as soon as I hear it, all I think is like 1999. Like I just, yes. it immediately <laughs> is just 
Right. Um, man, that yeah. was a song for that time and place and that time and place only. Um, <laughs> like it just... so, so is the, is the negative space to that comment that uh, for you at least, listening to like somebody or what is it, yourself or someone like you? Yourself or someone like you. Right. Do you, can you listen to that today? Does that only hit because it pulls you back to 1996 and no, a certain I, time in your no. life? Or do you think it's an objectively just actually a great like like record? It's not the Led Zeppelin of our time or nothing, but it, you know, it's a, I don't know, Simon and Garfunkel, some, no. something level. Like this is, this, is, this is a solid record from that era. I, I certainly wouldn't call it Zeppelin or Simon and Garfunkel. But I would call it like good, well-written, well-played rock pop for its time. Okay. Like I think sure. that's fair to say, and it's sure. still a good, fun listen. It does bring you back to the mid-90s, there's sure. no doubt. Um, but it's, it's also still good. Like it's still, you know, it, I, I think it holds up. Now, for me... For me, what, what sticks out in my mind about Matchbox 20 is that a couple of years later, um, they came out with their second album, which was... Okay, what is the title of this second record? Mad Season. Okay. And that had the hit, If You're Gone... Yeah, it's, it's like, crazy how like how like I said after the first three or four of them I do not know the titles. And, you yeah. oh you no if you're gone was massive. You okay. absolutely would recognize if you're gone, and okay. I don't I don't doubt that you would hate it because it is a ballad. <laughs> it is a ballad. It is like no you would hate it. Um, but it is and uh, keep in mind this as well in the late nineties. Like what was becoming the most pervasive, popular form of music at that time? Right. I, I would rock. say. I, I no. I would say it was boy bands. Like, sure. Okay, late night. Like yeah. Like right yeah. towards the end. I, yes, I think like in sync, Bastard. Yeah. That's what was becoming popular. So to me, yeah. that's why I gravitated towards like Matchbox Twenty because to me they were like a band. Like they were like a real band. Like it was kind of a little bit more organic and they wrote their own songs and like they were a real band. And so that's one reason why I gravitated towards that. Um, okay. So in 2001, now I've moved out of the house. I'm living in Pensacola, Florida, and they came out with their second album. At the time I worked for a radio station. Whoa, whoa, whoa hang on. Second record, 2001. Oh yeah. So, so maybe this gets to your, uh, your touring trivia. Did these guys tour on that record for like five years? Did they, burn out in two years and take a couple off? What the heck? That's a long jump for that second record. Yeah, so I guess the second one technically, <clears throat> Mad Season came out technically in 2000, I guess. Okay. But still, still. Four, four years between the first and the second album I think is kind of unheard of now. Like, yeah. Um, and even previous. I mean, the Beatles put out like six records in their first three years or something crazy like that. Right, exactly. Um, so no, they took, yeah, they, they toured a lot. Um, but they recorded, I mean, they were, I mean, I, I think, I think they really did put a lot of effort into making it a good record. It wasn't just, let's just push out the next one. Like they, yeah. Interesting. Um, so living in Florida, Matchbox 20 was coming to Biloxi, Mississippi, which is only about two and a half hours away from Pensacola. So I went to see Matchbox 20. So let's be clear. 
five-hour round trip to see Matchbox 20 Absolutely. in 2001. Few, like just, not, just a few weeks after 9-11. This was like... This crazy. Was like so, so premium premium groupie, you know, uh, bragging rights mm-hmm. would be like, man, I saw them at Madison Square Garden third night after the record was mm-hmm. released. This is... This is sort of, a, I guess I'd say, stalker territory. Five hours from no, Matchbox 2001. So what I don't know, why was it that far after the album was released? My only guess is, I'd have to look back at their like tour schedule, which that stuff is out sure. pretty easy to find. But my sure. guess is, man, when that album came out, they just, they hit every city. If your city had an arena, they played it. Like yeah, they, that's just what they did, and so, yeah, a year and a half after that album was released, like they were still out there. Nine Eleven hit, um, and so this was like, remember everything was canceled for a few weeks after Nine Eleven, right? And so this was one of the first things that like happened after Nine Eleven, um, okay. In that area was Matchbox Twenty. So, the uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum, which is just think like. Not Reunion Arena, but like Tarrant County Convention Center. <laughs> Have you been to a show? Did you ever go to a show at Tarrant County Convention Center? Uh, sort of, sort of like a, a VFW uh, no, on steroids. No, no. <laughs> did you ever go to a show at the Tarrant County Convention Center? I, I did not. Okay, well, you know, but Reunion Arena, you know, it was just there were no luxury suites. It was just an oval of seats, right? Like that's all it was. Okay. Um, okay. This is the Gulf Coast Coliseum. Um, it was okay. basically a horseshoe, you know, there were no seats at one end, but the rest of it was, um, it was like an 11 or 12,000 seat arena. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. Um, just packed, not an empty seat to be had. And, and if you're wondering, wait a minute, it was this really a VFW? No, the Eagles played at that same <laughs> arena, like one year later, like okay, literally one year Don't... after that, the Eagles played that same arena. Uh, now look, I, I'm not I'm not a veteran myself, mm-hmm. but you know I, I read the internet. I'm 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 cultured, right? Um, I'm, I, I'm I'm known as a meme lord in some circles, which is kind of a big thing. Um, right? Yeah, my dog is a meme lord. That's mm-hmm. that's also kind of a rare thing. And um, right. you know, I, I'm pretty sure at one point I read something about the way a VFW is like you know officially opened is that the mm-hmm. Eagles has to play a show there. Right, yeah, so, you, you read incorrectly, and what you're doing now is you're just taking shots at the Eagles for no reason. That's what you're doing now. <laughs> you've taken this Matchbox 20 talk, and you've just turned it into a reason to just bash on the Eagles. And that's fine. I'll throw the Eagles on the list, and I'll defend them all day long. That's fine. I'll do that. <laughs> Great. I don't care. We're going to get Joe, Joe Walsh's biography, three-hour-long form. I cannot wait. I am happy to okay, do that. great. I will great. defend the Eagles all day long. And I'm not even a huge fan. <laughs> uh, Clearly not as much as Matchbox 20. I mean, come on. I, well, I saw them both at the Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum. So I, you know, clearly, oh, well, wait a minute, just to be clear. Yeah. Was that, those were two separate shows or was like, certainly they were separate shows. Those were two separate shows, but let me tell so, you the bill. But let, let, let's, no. let's have, let's have the discussion. Let, let me Those tell two you, go on tour. Who headlines? Who the, headlines? Let me, the, the, you know who headlines, but let me tell you the bill for that Matchbox 20 show. Cause you're going to love this. Okay. You're, you're going to love this. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you in advance. You're welcome. 
for telling you this. Okay. 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 The first act that I missed because the girl I went with was not ready on time. So we didn't get there on time to see this band that I've still never seen. And I'm a little bitter about it. Is this, is that her fault or is it the fact that it was a three hour drive to get to the show? Uh, both. Yeah, probably both. <laughs> and a legit traffic jam at the arena to park. Sure. Of course. Um, the Smashbox 20 in 2001. And this course. was not, and this was, and this was not, I just want to clarify. This was not uh, the first wife. This was just some girl I was going to school with at the time. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I don't I mean, that, that, name, that's a whole nother podcast. The, the story anyway, past of Jeremy King. Uh, there's, so, uh, there's three names we're going to go through, you know, again, oh with my, the, my, my friend circle is kind of small, but yeah. when you think about all of the towns, Jeremy has um, hit, let's say. Oh yeah. Oh my God. So, okay. So the first act at this sure. show, seven, Mary three. <laughs> Cumbersome. That is yeah. awesome. <laughs> and oh I <laughs> love Cumbersome and Water's Don't go Edge. down to the water I, edge. I, yeah, I love Seven Mary suck. 3. And I'm angry to this day. I'm angry to this day that I never got to see them. And um, you know what? You know. Maybe maybe my day will come. Maybe man, my day will I, come. I, I feel like my son just My son just barged in here with his hands up going, Woo, Seven Mary 3. Did he then ask you for money immediately, or is he kind of doing the? He, he's a little bit older. He's a little bit smarter than that. Is that right? Listen, everything he does is asking for money, one way or the other. <laughs> that's true. Minute. All right. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, okay. um, so, hang on. Seven Mary three. In theory, okay. Uh, like you're saying, you, you, it sounds like you're a little bit upset that you didn't get there. Maybe there's a little bit of animosity of what was going on. Yeah. The reason that you know, there's a little bit more emotion mm-hmm. to it than this. But they feel like one of those bands, man. Like, like to me, like. Collective Soul is one of these bands where, like, for whatever reason, because the album covers are pretty much blue and most mm-hmm. of the guitar, the lead guitar and stuff was, like, bathed in, like, chorus and reverb, I had a certain, like, expectation of how they sounded. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, I finally heard a song that wasn't, like, a radio hit. Like, I would listen to the records and still have this, like, particular vision of who mm-hmm. they were. And at some yeah. point I heard one of the songs was kind of some kind of deep cut or something that I was like, who is that? It's collective solo or whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, that is the same thing as a uh, soul asylum. And you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, seven Mary three, for example, and all these guys, it seems like one of those bands, I think seven Mary three would be similar where you'd go and see them live and there'd be a certain disenchantment that happens where they become a real you know, a real set of people in front of you, and you're like, "Oh, they're just you know third wave grunge, or whatever." Well, what right? you, what, no, 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 no. What you'd love about Seven Mary Three, and I think I tried to listen to this, okay. and then I had to stop. Okay, is that like at some point, like one of their albums was just like an acoustic album? I just don't know if you can listen to Cumbersome and then imagine that band doing an acoustic album. I, I think it's worth a listen. I might have to get back to you. I'll get to be a book report uh, I, on the next podcast. We, yeah, we, we maybe should just do the next week on that album <laughs> and how it sounds. I don't know. I, I, I always, that always was a band to me that like, man, they, they should have been huge. Like the voice was Dude, great. Yeah. The were great. Those the songs. music was great. So, like, okay. Is it, is it again, Rob Thomas and the who cares? Like, did they write their own songs as one of those deals where they're kind of a put together studio I, kind of thing or. I didn't put them on the list because I don't know. Okay, fair. I, I don't know enough about Seven Mary Three. Right. 
to have that in-depth discussion. I just know that I missed that performance okay. and I'm sorry I did, right. but I feel like someday I'll have a chance to see them at like a local craft fair. <laughs> or the VFW right after the Eagles. Yeah. Right. Or like they'll, they'll open, they'll open up on like the kiss cruise or something like that. <laughs> what, what, okay. Um, for our readers, what the hell is the kiss cruise? I'm sorry. You don't know what the kiss cruise is. The kiss cruise is where kiss has a cruise and you can buy tickets on this cruise. What is kiss? Like you hang out with kiss, the band, the band, the band kiss. kiss, not like a, a they, record. I thought you were talking no. about that old radio station in, uh, no, in no, 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 Texas. The band, like kiss FM. Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley do a cruise and you can buy tickets on this cruise and you like hang out with Oh kids. man, I got some friends who've done that for bands like 311 and stuff. There, there's a yeah. a friend of my father like loves to like live for that. He did like maybe Jenny Buffett does one, but it was like some obscure musicians that were like some some sort of yeah. you know, a, a guy who was like a solo guy yeah, from not Rush but something around that kind of you know, yeah. prog rock. And this guy's like, yeah, man, I got to like talk to him for an hour and it costs like $6,000 yes. to go on this week long right. cruise with uh, crazy man. That that's, that's a premium yeah. experience of like, you talk about yeah, the VIP that. hours, a, a, a group of, you know, 30 people who paid $200 to sit there and Q and a, the mm -hmm. artists like hanging out with them for a week, man. Right. So, okay. So we had seven, Mary sure. three, first band, second band, and you're going to love this train. <laughs> okay. Question. Yeah. When they were on, you saw train. Tra I got there. For okay. Train. Okay. Yes. Could you tell if Matchbox 20 was already playing or not? Were you confused? No, I definitely knew the difference. I knew at the time there were two train songs that I knew. Okay. And they were the two hits that they'd had. They were, um, I think Meet Virginia or yeah, something that like that. Right. And then of course, and then of course Drops of Jupiter was right. their, that was their big, huge, right. massive hit at the time. Okay. But, but, um, but, but they I had, mean, they're going to, they're going to save those for the encore basically. Right. Or, or, you know, there, there are no, no so it's, you know, it's no, the, there's no it's encore the, it's the end for the, of the, the 45 minutes set or whatever, yeah. but okay. But did you get there just at the end or did you get there kind of in the middle? No, no, no. I saw okay, the okay. entire so, train so, so again, set. I've seen so, an entire so I, train set. Yeah. I, how far how far back were you? Were you you were obviously a pit ticket, like right at the front, groupie access, or um, up upper level, upper level, um, maybe I don't know, halfway up. And if it's a football field, the fifty. Okay, okay. So it, the guys are a little bit small, right, or whatnot. They they start yeah, off. Yeah. They maybe they play drops of Jupiter, but if they didn't, let's say they didn't. Some of those deep cuts, they just kind of start mm -hmm. with something that nobody's heard. Even they're not sure if the, you know it's their own song or whatever. I feel like I would be confused if it was Matchbox Twenty on the stage. So or not. no, but I I knew, but I knew Matchbox Twenty well enough that I know the voice, I know the songs, I know this is not Matchbox Twenty. So you're saying there's a difference. I, what you're, I, what you're I, implying is there's, there's a, a difference, difference between these two bands. I'm gonna have to. There's I'm gonna have to look this and up. I, think, I, I thought they might have been the same. And I think I. I think I knew that I knew what the guy from train sounded like, and it definitely sounded like okay, him. So enough. there was no doubt. There was no doubt. Uh, it was train and they are two different bands. They've probably reached somewhat equal levels of yeah. success 
in their careers. That's one I haven't heard about. Um, thought about yeah. a long, long time, man. That those all that when you I mention mean, those two, Seminary Three to me gets over into for some reason like Soul Asylum Land and and more of the sort mm-hmm. of grungy stuff, whatever. But Train, Matchbox Twenty, you know the other ones that come to mind, uh, Third Eye Blind, Wallflowers. And maybe that's all 1996. I mean, that's the thing is they all came at the exact same time. I'm not sure. But those four, for some reason, are mm-hmm. like inexorably linked in my brain. If I hear of Third Day Blind, I think of Matchbox yeah. 20. If I hear of Train, I think of any of those guys being way better than any of that, you know, or whatever. <clears throat> yeah. If, uh, no. If, uh, so to me, the outlier there was Seven right. Three. Like they, to me, were more like Right, rock. definitely. Like they're the ones that didn't right. fit. Um at the same time, if you're Seven Mary Three, you have like one sure. hit, and you're offered to open for Matchbox Twenty, who at the time was like one of the biggest bands right. out there. Well, um, I mean, I yeah, you're probably you know it. to be honest, hearing this opening bill, you know, I'm like, you know, Matchbox Twenty. Let's be honest, kind of a blend between those two. Matchbox Twenty has a little bit more of an edge to it than like Train did, right? Train Train to me, the the okay. hits sounded kind of put together pop, you know, rather than a, a little bit more rock, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I agree. And then Matchbox, um, Matchbox, I remember when they hit the stage, I mean, again, there's, there is something, no matter who the band is, there's something to seeing a band when they are like at the absolute height of their powers, right? There's something about seeing a band when they are just at their absolute biggest. And that's where they were at the time. Like they were at their absolute biggest like they are like their first album was huge everyone was anticipating their second album they had a huge hit with if you're gone um they had a couple other hits from that album as well um like bent um and like i remember and it was it was because there were so many hits on the first album i mean i think i knew if they played 20 songs i probably knew 15 of them like you you knew almost every song because they all on the radio And they were really good, and they played. Um, they played the Beatles' "Don't Let really? Me Down." Okay. Um, and did that pretty well. They played. Uh, they played Cindy Lauper's "Time After Time." <laughs> okay, so I've, I've recently yeah. been getting into bootlegs, right? Where like there, there, there are apparently some blogs uh-huh. and, and such that people are just like uploading zips of them. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, torrent files of a thousand years ago before you know the ISP would instantly cut your connection if you ever used torrent or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go look around right. for a Matchbox 20 cover of Time After Time. Was there a studio version? I'm sure there wasn't. No, no, is, no, no. Is there, is there a good reason? The second just... follow-up question. Is there a good reason there wasn't a studio version? I remember thinking it okay. was really good. But, again, this was 20 right. years ago. Sure, sure. So, uh, but I bet if you looked it up oh, yeah. on YouTube you could find time after time pretty easily. I bet it would not be hard at all. Um, So no, that like, no, it was a great, and the the first song they played was, um, and you you don't know this song, but if you listen to it, I think you would hear that it's a good first song and it's a song called Crutch and it's on their second album. And it's great. Like it's a great little guitar lick. Um, It's a great, it's a good song. It's a really good, really good song. Um, and that second album, I probably like really? better than the first one. Um, not as many, sure. hit, not as many hits. Um, it's lyric heavy. Like you can tell, Rob Thomas, he likes to write 
words because he crams as right. many of them as he can right. into some of these songs. Um, but they're man, they're they're good songs. They're really good songs, and the show was fantastic. Um, I have not seen them since, but they were supposed to tour again this year. So this is this is this is what's funny about Matchbox Twenty now. So you know, Rob Thomas like he'll release a couple of solo albums before each Matchbox 20 album. And, you know, he's had some solo hits and you would recognize some of them, but he's, he's had some hits on his own. And Matchbox has become almost more like the side project for him because he's more of a solo artist these days. He's, I, I guarantee he's made more money as a solo artist than his, a member of Matchbox Twenty. So is this still sure. is this is this still rock? And is so he what, kind of in Justin Timberlake territory? What what, what kind of? No more. Yeah, more really? like Justin Timberlake. More like a not not quite as successful man, Justin Timberlake. That is yeah. weird, man. Um, but still, I mean, he's yeah, turning no, into he, he's he's he he's like he's like. So, I guess I I didn't know this, but he's like a sting from our generation or something. I don't know that I would call him Sting, although I bet, I mean, if you just look at the total body of work, they've probably had a similar number of total hits. What the heck? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different times, you know? Yeah. Phil, Co- yeah. Phil, Phil Collins, another one. Like, um, you know, Phil Collins plays with Genesis yeah. when he feels yeah. like it, but then he, he does right. his own thing most of the time. Um, and that's what just, and so what this leads to in this day and age, which I love because I live for this, this leads to a lot of sniping at each other on Twitter. <laughs> and so <laughs> this leads to like Rob Thomas tweeting a picture of the bus outside the front door of his house saying about to head out on a tour, but it's a solo tour. And then the guitar player from Matchbox 20 being like, when is it picking me up? <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> okay. So, so maybe getting ahead of ourselves into a preview of, of a, a later episode, but this reminds me of Oasis. Did Matchbox 20 set you up for Oasis? Did, like, oh, yeah. did they have this kind of rapport when um, they were young and, and making it, or was it a, a, a unified, you know, front at that point? A lot of bands have crazy turmoil that even, you know, Oasis is not on its own in terms of like, mm-hmm not handling success well, let's say, or whatever. How, how did Matchbox 20 well, work on the makes, inside, do you know? Or? What makes Oasis so fun and what, that we'll talk right. about is that they're brothers. Like, that's what makes it so sure. so fun to talk about. Matchbox 20 were not brothers, but, I mean, they all, you know, they became famous when they were, like, 20 years old. How, how do you yeah. deal with that? <clears throat> and how do you, if you're, and if you're Rob Thomas, how do you deal with it when you've got the record company being, like, you know what, man? You don't need to pay all these guys. Like, the, no, no one knows who the lead guitar player yeah. for Matchbox Twenty is. Like, right. you can just do your own thing and make a lot more money. And I think he easily, without anyone knowing, could fire all those guys and go on yeah. tour as Matchbox Twenty and make just as much money. And I think he only does it because I think he and like. I do think he feels an obligation towards the other guys who were there in the beginning. I think that's the only reason he still does it. Um, he doesn't play a lot of Matchbox 20 songs when he does his solo stuff. Really? And like a couple, like a couple of years ago, um, the guitar player, the lead guitar player, like quit. Like on Twitter, publicly was like, <laughs> you know, 
I've oh, been waiting man. for what, like three years for our 20th age. anniversary. Like, like the the 20th, <laughs> an, like yeah, like the like the the Matchbox 20 20th anniversary tour was supposed to happen this year, and now it's not. And I just can't sit around waiting my whole life for Rob to decide he's ready to go on tour. So I'm done. I quit. And then like four months later, Matchbox 20 announces a big tour and suddenly the lead guitar player is like, he's back in. Like he's, I'm he's sorry. How right back of thousands in. per show. Okay. I can, I can put up with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he decided I'm willing to live with this, um, yeah. for a little while longer. So, so, um, you know, this is, this is, this is, it, it's a really interesting dynamic because all those guys have the same thing that, like the keyboard player for Tom Petty once said, or the uh, keyboard player for Bon Jovi, which was like, you know, yeah, one guy being in charge is not my favorite thing, but being the keyboard player for Bon Jovi is still a pretty good job. Like all those guys are better off, you know, in that band, even touring every few years than they are just on their own. So this is interesting about Matchbox is that I think their last couple of albums, what they've done basically is like he okay. records demos. He sends them <laughs> to the band. The band goes into a studio. They record everything so that he just has to come in after the fact and just record the, the, the Are we talking about Tool it. or is this Matchbox 20? So like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the way probably yeah, a lot yeah. of bands do it these days. Um, but I don't think Rob Thomas can be bothered to like go spend three months right. in a studio with the guys from Matchbox Twenty. And I think, but they can't, they can't just openly like assassinate <laughs> him online because, much like the guys from In Sync, like every time their phone rings, that they just hope it's <laughs> JT. Like they're just right. waiting for that phone call. Like that's the guys from Matchbox. Like they are just waiting on, and I'm sure they've made sure. good money. Like they would probably be okay right. as musicians for the rest of their career. But man, Matchbox you know, you know the thing is though, those guys are going to, you know, their cousins Thanksgiving dinners and a little, you know, mm-hmm. you know, shit kicker Jeremy King is at that table with them mm-hmm. bagging on them to their face being like, mm-hmm. Matchbox, what? Yeah. You know, man. <laughs> well, here's the other. But here's the other thing. You know, you 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 can say that, but like, I think the guitar players even said, like, what's so frustrating is like, it's so hard to like. What happened is so yes. impossible. Like, right. We made it. Yeah. Like we had hits. Had more than we made had it, more than one. And we hit. should still had- we, yeah, and more had than multiple one hit per record. We had like, half of our damn record was hit. Like, I mean, yes, like this. This should be a band. Like we should be recording and touring right. like, all the time, and it's so rare to be able to have success at this level. And what it's reduced to is we get to go on tour once every few years and not even make new music anymore. Like we just go on tour, play the hits every few years, and then wait for Rob to call again. Like, that's basically so, what's happening. Yeah. Tell me and, this. Like, um, I, mean, I, 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 think, I think Jane told me, I think Jane knows a little bit about it. Like, I feel like Rob Thomas is, like, 
from Florida or something else. Like he's a Southern dude. I, I think it mm-hmm. might be worth yeah. uh, exploring that a little bit. She and her mom like loved this record mm-hmm. when she was young and knew all about yeah. Rob Thomas or something. And I think she gave me a deep dive one time or whatever. Is that a little bit of a bitchy complaint on behalf of the guitarist, the rest of the band? Is it like really, you know, Rob Thomas was something already. He can make songs. He made songs. He let them contribute so that they would be happy to be in the band. But Rob Thomas makes the songs, period. And maybe he doesn't need you guys to be there. What is that sort of dynamic? Or is it just really that he's just got a lot going on and they did contribute you know, half of all the songs that, you know, writing credits isn't necessarily a great metric to go by because that can even mm-hmm. be like, Hey dude, I'm going to toss you a bone and put your name on these two or three. So you'll get good royalties too. Do you know about that dynamic at all for them? Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I think what happens is his solo stuff veers into a genre of music that really doesn't <clears throat> match box at all that it veers, I wouldn't say into hip hop, but it veers into more of a pop style that really is not Matchbox 20 at all. But here's the other thing I would say, if you listen to Tabitha Secret, which was like Matchbox 20 before it was Matchbox 20, uh, slightly different personnel, and you listen to a song like 3 a.m., it, that, okay, so I know you don't think, and I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna sound ridiculous, all right? Matchbox 20, had much more of an edge than Tabitha's Secret. <laughs> like Tabitha's Secret to me is probably I'm, what Matchbox 20 is without the other guys from Matchbox 20 saying, let's go a little louder <laughs> so and I, a little harder. I'm personally a little than... surprised and offended at the concept of using the, the, the term a little bit more edge with Matchbox 20. Like I know. And I, I know, and yeah, I tried like, so, to cushion so, you know, it I, I'm, I'm familiar a little bit with, like, guitar pedals, right? There's sort of the, you know, the, the, the jam, the distortion all of the way, you know, jam, jam it down to zero where there's no effect being applied. I, when mm-hmm. I think of Matchbox 20, I feel like some kind of law of physics breaking thing where you actually turn the dial beyond mm-hmm. zero, right? So, so just, I, I think that maybe... Maybe maybe no our offense, definition of edge. You mean no offense is, to Matchbox Twenty? Just not really, uh, you know, in sync here. I, I, well, I, here's the thing. You uh, again, sure, definitely, I tried to cushion definitely. it by uh, acknowledging sure. that you were going to think that's ridiculous. But you go, you just YouTube Tabitha Secret okay. three a.m. Hear a song, and you will hear Rob Thomas singing it, and you're like, man, just go for uh, it, like just. Just okay, belt it okay. out, like you, like you can see how how much he's holding back and how much he needs that band, or maybe in the beginning he needed right. that band to find yeah, that voice, and then once he found it, then once he found it, he was like, okay, yeah, I can go do this. Right, right. Um, but but at the beginning, you can you can hear that song and you're like, oh man, it's like, like there, needs, it's in there, like, but some, it's, yeah. Because that's that's you don't you you think of that song as just Matchbox Twenty. That's kind of a oh, dark it is. song. Like that's that song is kind of dark and it's kind so let's, of let's got... let's talk about those a little bit. I I feel like we're veering into territory that maybe is like out of both yours and I's grasp, depending on uh, what you do and don't know about them. But I do remember uh, my girlfriend mm-hmm. saying stuff like that. Um, you know, there's obviously the big. Um, uh, controversy that happened with Push, right? The the 
the the lyrics being if if I want to push you around I will right mm-hmm. or which which is you know uh, obviously an abusive statement it sounds like you know maybe an abusive guy right. pushing his his uh, you know his girl around or something but it, but it actually turns out and this is like the one factoid about Rob Thomas I remember that that Rob mm-hmm. Thomas is is the son of a, a, I think a very troubled woman who was in a bunch of abusive relationships and stuff. And a lot of, I think 3AM and Push, maybe a lot of that first record to begin with, very autobiographical actually, and very similar to the sort of the Tom Petty thing where once you know, actually Tom Petty's the victim and he's sort of, you know, figuring Mm -hmm. out and working out through music, what it's like to be the, the abused partner in relationship. Um, it really puts a different spin on it. You know, there was a whole, I remember the media clash of it, of like hearing this push you around song compared to any other song, especially freaking Nirvana rape me and stuff. And just being like, man, they are really, they're really searching for a news bite right now, you know, or whatever. I'm like, this is an abusive song. Oh my God. Or whatever. And it, it turns out it's an autobiographical song of like what it was like, you know, uh, watching his mom with these abusive partners, or something like this. So, so are you familiar with a little bit of this? Cause I, I that is like the complete extent yeah. I know, but I remember when I heard this, I was like, it was fascinating to hear, like you said, a very dark history and, and, and really what this comes yeah. from. Cause I think that one of the things it, until that moment that I heard that story, I thought matchbox 20, the same as train, the same as wallflowers, the same as all these ones. I think third eye blind coming out mm-hmm. right out the gate, singing about meth and getting a hit about it. You know, getting a, mm-hmm. a number one hit or whatever, yep. being like, I am a total fucking junkie. Yeah. Uh, my life is a mess. Right. I, 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 I don't know, but I just automatically think that that Jenkins guy probably has an interesting story past. And with Matchbox 20, I just didn't get that feeling. And it was very fascinating to me. So if you can expand, expound upon yeah. where's Rob Thomas come from or what, what's behind these songs? He- I, I feel like he had a pretty dark relationship okay. with his mom. Um, and on top of that, she um, got okay. very ill when he was, I think, maybe okay. an adolescent. Um, and yeah, she was, I, I, I want to I wanna say, I believe I've heard him say she sure. was an alcoholic and she um, yeah, had these abusive boyfriends and husbands. And, um, it, you know, he voluntarily basically became homeless Jeez. at some point just because he didn't want to live there anymore. Um, and he just went oh on the street. Um, so I, I think it's easy to see someone. It, it's easy to hear someone like yeah. smooth, and think you know who right. that person is. And no, there's a whole backstory there that informs, especially those first few albums. Um, that's very different from what you think. And so when you hear a song like right. "Push," you hear a song like "3 A.M." Like there's a kind of a dark backstory to all okay. that stuff. And the difference is um, with with Matchbox 20, they didn't dive deeper into that, right? They just went more pop. As, as, as the second on. and third records, you're and saying? so okay, okay, yes, yeah. The second the second record is still pretty dark. There's a song on the second record about him like being homeless and hitchhiking, and like just a almost word for word story of what happened in one of those encounters, and. Um, there's something there, but then you have like, if you're gone, which is just like a, you know, huge multi-platinum hit written about meeting okay. his wife. And 
there's nothing dark about it at all. Well, it's a little bit. It's about you know him worried that she's going to leave him, but whatever. It's it's, like, it's, it's just pedestrian, loves, you know? rock and roll, it's, blues, country uh, theme. It's what we all feel that our wives are someday going to realize right. they're way better than us, and you know you can, they're going to snuff us out <laughs> right. for what we are, and uh, <laughs> so. There's no, they're like, they're like, no, there's something there, but they, they, ne and he never developed like a heroin addiction. It never, you know, devolved into anything darker. Um, it, it, it's like the more successful they became, the, the happier he became. We're like, you know, Metallica somehow found a way <laughs> yeah. to remain angry through the years. Yeah. Um, somehow they are they are all worth a hundred million dollars. Man, I, and I, how we're all no, we're all man, fucked and we're man, all self destruct. Like the I'm, one <laughs> clip in some kind of monster where they're working on they're working on whatever it is. I can't remember the name of the record. Was it Saint Anger? I'm not sure which one it was. <laughs> Lars Ulrich has his fucking father walk into the studio for about three goddamn seconds. And instantaneously, yeah. I feel like I could be angry for three lifetimes, too. That guy seemed oh, like a yeah. total abusive and a neglectful, emotionally withholding, like holier-than-thou piece of shit. It makes Lars look like an adorable, oh, yeah. nice, you know, just fun guy to be around. And it's like one yeah. of those things where you see that and then you look at Lars you're like, man, you've done good. Like, Jesus Christ. That well, is brutal, but, but you know. Just, just, just seeing this guy for ten so, seconds, you're like, "Oh my god!" Right? Yeah. So when you when you see that, and you see like uh, like like Lars, when you see you know Rob Thomas, what he went through, um, and like uh, you yourself might might uh, might actually sure. like relate to this. Like at one at one point, right. does that no, go away? It doesn't, yeah. You know, like when, 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 do, when, when does that totally go away? And you're just like, you know what? Yeah. It's all good. I'm fine. There's like, that stuff didn't happen. Um, you know, Hetfield, his parents were like Christian scientists. Really? People died because they oh my God, doctors. Really? And yeah. we yeah, got to do a Metallica yeah, right one. So, one I got to ask, I got to ask. I'm in. Right yeah. at the top. Is there so many songs about mom? Did mom die from this kind of situation? There's so many of them that are like. They're hit his ballads to mom. Uh, mm -hmm. well, no, with, 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 with Metallica, like, like the Unforgiven, I think. And there, there was one called like maybe Mama Said or something on Load that was really good. Yeah, Mama and, Said. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you, just, you just mentioned this in passing. It's like, was his mom this person that died from the not going to the doctor thing or? Oh, okay. No. Uh, yeah. There, there, there are definitely some Metallica songs because James wrote yeah, the lyrics definitely. to those right. songs. Like who he was there and lyrics writer. And three a.m. is about Rob Thomas's mom. Like that is a so song. Remind about me, because man, I can hear push in my brain, but uh, the, the chorus of three a.m. Or, or or just the kind of the theme. What, what, what's the theme of the lyrics, kind of? Um. You know, it starts out, she said it's cold outside and she hates okay. no raincoat. Um, she's always worried about things like that. Um, later in the song, it's, um, you know, something that's raining. The clock on the wall has been stuck at three for days right, and right, days. Right. Um, she, th she thinks that happiness is a map that sits in our doorway. Okay. Um, it's, it's, that's okay, all about okay. his mom. That is all about his mom. Um, and when I mean, you listen to it, like it's a, like no one thinks about it. I swear to God, 
if, um, you know, if David Gilmore had written that song, it would be hailed as yeah. musical genius. Like it's like, yeah. it's a great song. It's a good song. It's a dark song because they have this reputation as being so right. like pop. It, no one thinks of it that way. It's a good song. I, it's, I just, it's kind of dark. It's kind of sad. Like there's a really fantastic, um, Interscope records, HBO, like mini documentary. It was like three hours. It was basically mm-hmm. everybody, uh, jerking off. Uh, is it Jimmy Iovine or something? The guy who basically, yeah. Jimmy Iovine. <clears throat> yeah. Between the like two and a half hours, roughly of the three hours, everybody being Jimmy's so fucking great. There's a lot of little stories in there. And one of them mentioned in particular mm-hmm. is like, like I mentioned, I'm a Marilyn Manson Nine Snails fan. They have like a two minute segment on those bands and they talk about there's somebody just asked Iovine or Iovine uh, straight up. They go, how much of that was manufactured? How many of these like little stunts and whatever was just manufactured to try and get people to, you know, a, just hear the band exists or B, you know, give them a harder edge or whatever. I got to wonder, maybe it's worth a deep dive was push one of those kind of PR moves where like there actually wasn't a huge fucking controversy and, you know, a little bit of the grassroots movement or something to kind of be like, Hey, these guys are pretty edgy. You know what I mean? You know, I don't remember there being a controversy. I, I know that you can read on Wikipedia now. I, I just happen. So, but so being, you know, I, I think for, for, for fans, for listeners, a, a key background thing for both Jeremy and I is that uh, we were raised religious in Texas. I was raised extremely conservative Christian, like, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, evangelical Southern Baptists. We don't drink all this kind of stuff and whatnot. So needless to say, MTV was, you know, I would probably, I I remember feeling like I was going to hell for watching it when we could watch it. You know, every vacation, I don't remember beaches. I don't even remember Nintendo having it with me, being able to play it all week. Mm -hmm. I remember watching MTV and one of those weeks, somewhere, some vacation at a grandparent's house or whatever, where parents are just basically noping out themselves and being like, I'm not watching the kids all that closely. That was that week. So maybe it was like a two day thing, but I remember, cause you know how MTV was at the time. I, I remember watching MTV and being fascinated that like basically at the top of every hour, like a lot of like local news stations, it would be like MTV news. Nirvana has blah, blah, blah coming up. This is great. And like, this is before MTV.com exists. This for me is around the era, maybe a year before you even got the fucking internet or whatever. So maybe, maybe I was just seeing MTV the three days that this was a thing that the three days that that PR move was made, you know, maybe, maybe it was, or wasn't a PR move when that event happened. And maybe it wasn't as big of a tidal wave as it seems when you hear about it every, you know, 30 minutes on the TV, right? <clears throat> well, I, I remember that time, and I remember Push being played at the skating rink, and I didn't. I, I knew the lyrics, and it did sound kind of dark, but I didn't. No one ever complained about it. I never knew of any controversy about. It. We didn't have cable sure. when I was a kid um, growing up, so I didn't watch MTV. Um, you know, people at the church called MTV mindless, trashy videos, <laughs> which is, um, I mean, that's so, that's accurate. You know, that's, that's where. And and it, and it's funny because my 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 parents were I mean they were hippies you know growing Mine up too. they were um, and 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 uh, I was really into classic rock yep. and so were they uh, when I was kids 
Um, but my brother was really into Pearl Jam and they hated Pearl Jam. Like they, like they had a real aversion to any current rock and roll music. And since then, my, my dad has gone with That's my awesome. brother to see That's awesome. Jam. So like things are yeah. Good. But back then, like, no, they were very anti-Pearl Jam. And I remember like my, me riding in the car, my mom and brother, and there's the new Paul McCartney album. And there's a song called We Got Married. And there's a line that says like, um, we made love in the afternoon, found a flat. After that, we got married. And my brother's like, wait, so they had your sex bro- before they were sorry, married. Your mom was Are you or your kidding me? Was. Like, <laughs> my brother was. <laughs> is, this, is this same era as Pearl Jam? Oh, this was 1991. That's awesome. So he's like, so, oh, like, yeah, this, this is exactly how it's been with the 10 year old, right? Where it's just like, she will say things and you're like, yeah. Whew. She's innocent. She's so innocent and oh, pure. Yeah. It's all still there. No, she he, is listening. Was, she has was, the key in her not. hand that will unravel well, everything if she ever no. figures out what those lyrics mean. But she's still pure. But he, but he was not innocent and pure. He knew he was making a point about how you can't say Pearl Jam's lyrics are ah. immoral. And then listen to this song about uh, this guy having sex with his girlfriend before uh, they get married. Okay, I thought you were saying that he was um, like innocently like, no, like he, come on, mom, no, no, what? no, 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 no. He was at the time he right. was probably sixteen, seventeen. He, right, he right. Knew exactly That's true, and, and he was into Pearl Jam, so um, I got him. So, <laughs> and he was into Pearl Jam, so he was yeah. Uh, but I mean, point being, like we think these songs are bad. No, they've always been bad. <laughs> they've always been like. They've always been well, bad. The they've thing always been is dark. Is they've got to push and... one more level, right? That's that's how you do it. Like it, it, it's fine. There was a huge, huge indie movement, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know, two thousand five through. I don't know what now. Father John Misty's like pinnacle of that thing. Where it's yeah. just like it's pretty. It's pretty easy on you, man. It's not. It's it's just kind of light and fun yeah. and whatever and stuff. And then like you know, I mean, Billie Eilish is is the new rock and roll, right? This kid is, I, I yeah. for oh, yeah. a couple of years, have heard people being like, you know, uh, I'm going to go fuck your dad and become your stepmom, you know, or whatever. as like a retaliation but, okay, but this to is, like but people. I, and that yeah, is like I from don't, the 17-year-old think... singer. I don't know if she necessarily wrote that particular lyric and stuff. But like that, that you know, I, I would say that Marilyn Manson has some competition for that. Definitely some competition for that mm-hmm. uh, lyrically or whatnot. But Marilyn Manson was like, Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much the 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 end of the spectrum of like offensive music for us, or whatever. Well, this is a pop star, right? I mean, this is this but, is an everyday pop but star. All it, all it was, but all it was was just making it more explicit because it's always yes. been there, and it's just a matter of how explicit right. has it been. Because if you listen to the words, I mean, if you listen to tom petty songs from mid 90s man they are right. dark they are <laughs> real dark <laughs> like they are i mean that guy was at the lowest right. of the low um if you listen to matchbox songs from their first album like they're dark even the second album like they're dark you just don't realize it because they're just they're good songs um and they're not so explicit there is some ambiguity and in I, the lyrics. I'm not a not a musician, most... not not a theorist, but I bet you there's a bit of the uh, the music theory going on in there, right? Um, Nine Inch Nails is always like these uh, dissonant minor chords as a, like the theme of the song, just the whole key mm-hmm. of the of yeah. the piece of music just automatically evokes this crazy emotional 
reaction that's a particular, you know, maybe a dark reaction or sad or, or you know, angry or something that just, it doesn't, it's, it, it's, it hits the brain in a funny way. Maybe that's part of it. Was Matchbox yeah. 20 couched in, you know, GDC, just regular old, you know, uh, Americana tuning. You know, the grunge thing was this drop D tuning, mm-hmm. made it all a little bit dirtier. And, you know, uh, the, obviously they would, uh, you know, make the, the, the tracks grimy. You know, it, the more distortion and the more awfully noise it was, the better. You know, is that part of it? The production no. value plus the actual I, yeah, music absolutely. composition puts the brain into no. Puts it was the brain an easy into a it particular headspace that this is okay music. This is this is not dark. No, it's an easy listen. It's okay. an easy listen. Okay, that's the thing. It's a you can put it on if you're going to do some dishes. Put on Matchbox 20's first album or second album, and you just. It's just an easy okay. listen as you go. Um, you want to you want to you want to do some cleaning around the house. Just put on one of those first two albums. It's a really really and and Tom Petty was the same way. You know, it was there. I think their bass player said one time. It's probably a common saying among rock bands, which is "Don't bore us, get to the chorus." <laughs> um, you know, it was just you know, it's just let's just let's just make this fun yeah. to listen yeah. to and. Um, uh, you know, probably good measuring stick is, is this a song I would want to listen to? And some of like some of Radiohead stuff, maybe yeah, I can't listen I, to same. it. I try and I'm like, I, yeah, I hate this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sure. unlistenable. I don't get it. I don't get how they became so huge. And we'll talk about that yeah, at definitely. some point, I'm sure. Uh, but this is such an easy listen that if you will let go of the fact for a second that you hate Matchbox <laughs> 20, it's a really really easy fun listen and they're not bad musicians they're good songwriters and i'm i will defend them to the day i die i have no problem <laughs> defending my stance on matchbox <laughs> well you've been defending them for about an hour and a half that's uh that's that's right i, I, I yeah do not sound i, I no. i'll be honest you do not sound winded and i i've tried you know i've I, I have attacked this a lot of different angles and you, you, you're, you're persistent. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, real quickly, yep. you know, if there isn't another Matchbox 20 episode in the future, I mean, it sounds like there's other records, mm-hmm. other stuff. Like, what do we absolutely have to cover? I'm, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm just, what stands out in your brain of like, oh my God, I can't believe we didn't, you know, cover the fourth album where, the band mm. had this crazy breakup. The, Rob Thomas's wife died. His kid got cancer. Any of this no. kind of stuff. It's been pretty idyllic. There was, there was never a crazy breakup. There were a couple of band members that left, and I'm sure they left because they were just very anonymous members of Matchbox 20 and got yeah. tired of that. Um, I, I, I don't know the details. I'm sure there was a point where it was decided Rob is going to make a lot more money yeah. than everyone else. Um, and I'm sure that made someone unhappy, but then I'm sure someone else decided, Hey, I like being the drummer for Matchbox 20 versus drumming in my local club right. every night. Um, you know, like, you know, I'm, the, I'm sure the, someone the Eagles, made that business the decision. Great. But like VFWs, man, are getting a little bit old. I, I, I got to step up. I got to step up. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. If, if you, if you want to play guitar right. professionally, uh, is it more lucrative to do one Matchbox 20 tour every yeah, three man. or four years yeah. versus just playing, you know, playing in local cover yeah. bands? Um, no, you're probably better off just yeah, waiting for that. Definitely. Time, you know, 
Um, so there was never anything super dramatic other than when their guitar player quit a couple of years ago and then like came back with right. an announcement. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there was that, but I, I do think um, it is interesting that, that Rob has acknowledged basically that there's really no room in the marketplace today for a new Matchbox 20 Definitely. album. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. that this isn't, this isn't, this isn't like sticks releasing right. their new album and then scratching their heads right. that no exactly. one bought it. Yeah. Um, you know, this is like, he's acknowledged, no, no one's going to buy a new Matchbox 20 album, but they will buy tickets to a Matchbox 20 concert. And so we're going to do that. That's a, um, that's a great, that's a great sense of self-awareness, you, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of the rock and roll yeah. gods, you know, kind of crash and burn because they, 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 they're an artifact yeah. of their time. Right. And, and if you follow, if you, and if you follow him on Twitter, like he's a good okay. follow on Twitter, he's a big dog, dog rescue okay. person. Um, and, um, he is a, um, like, he's just a, like, he's just to get all these people. They're just, they're yeah, just definitely. guys, you know, like they're just, you, when you, the closer you get, the more you realize, like, they're just, they're just guys, you know, they're just people. He's been married to the same woman since like the mid nineties. Crazy. Um, and there's never been any like controversy through right. these years and, um, and yeah, he does his solo thing, which is fine. Not my favorite thing. And then every few years, he'll do another Matchbox 20 tour and they'll tour with like the Counting Crows Train. or someone like that. And, you know, it'll be a good 90s, early 2000s nostalgia tour. Tell me this. Tell me this. And, uh, uh, go back to their Rob lives. Thomas, the, the dude who goes over to the Thanksgiving dinner and has uh, his sister, uh, sister-in-law's kids bagging on him. Uh, who is Rob Thomas? Mm-hmm. I mean, is he the guy who got the money and moved to L.A. and Hollywood? Uh, or he lives out in L.A. or something because it's just where the industry is? No. Did he stay in Florida? He's got a mansion? He, what, 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 no. what did his uh, sort of life turn into? Is he just, is he constantly he, touring? He, he, he tours a lot, but he lives on what appears to be a very nice estate in like, I don't want to say upstate New York, but probably outside of New York city. So a bit of a loner, a bit Um, of a kind of like, no, he, 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 he appears to have some land. Um, definitely does not live in Los Angeles. Um, and, and just like appears to live kind of out in the country a little bit. Um, and yeah, he, I mean, I would imagine to me, he seems like the kind of guy who's pretty generous with his family. Sure. I would guess if I if I had to speculate, and if I had to speculate, they're probably not giving him shit for being <laughs> the guy from Matchbox Twenty because I don't know. He's man, probably like, paying a lot of bills. <laughs> probably paying a lot right, of bills I, around I, there. I don't, don't want to misquote um, him or whatnot, but there's a great quote out there somewhere from Dave Grohl being like, somebody asked him like, you know, you're a rock god, you're a living rock god. Like how how do you keep it under control and not like let that go to your head? And he's just like, man, have kids, mm-hmm. just have kids. My kids do not give a yeah. shit about <laughs> food fighters whatsoever. And they make fun of, you know, something like this along those lines. So, yeah. Yeah. I think Metallica said the same thing. Like our kids don't give right. a shit about it. Exactly. Like yep. they just, I, I don't know that he and his wife sure. have kids of their own. Um, I'm not sure he has an older child. Okay. I think. Previous relationship. Previous 
Um, but uh, no, he, you know, uh, uh, Twitter probably made me like him more as a person than yeah. anything else. Definitely comes across as someone there. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. I can hang out with that's him. That's cool. You know, and it's fine. That's, I mean, that's not the only metric sure. I'm using, but um, I, I uh, no, I've, I've never run across anything that made me yeah, like not, him not, less. Not a big, not, you know, I think that's a, not, that's a, that's not a, a big fair controversial metric kind of guy and uh i mean it sounds like i think one of the themes yeah. it sounds like is he's one of the rare ones where uh the fame didn't really go to his head he's he's still you know i mean maybe maybe he's a little bit of a prima donna maybe behind the scenes or just kind of at least gets to call the shots the way he wants with in terms of the hey every four years we're gonna do matchbox 20 rather than all of the time well, but i mean you know it, being in the headspace yeah. to even admit that like look that time that peak of my life maybe even is stuck in 1996, you know, to Jeremy King, it might be 2001. Yeah. You know, and I, I can't tell there, but you know, that's, that's huge, man. That's a, that's a rare thing to, to move on into, you know, Justin Timberlake or not, whatever he's turned into to be like, look, that is not relevant anymore. That that's uh, it speaks volumes, you know, of of character, I think. No. And, and I think the fact that he will still go out with those Matchbox sure. Twenty guys, because again, he yeah, fight and those call guys it Matchbox and just 20. replace yeah. them with with replacement yeah. level musicians they, they are, that are Matchbox. better he musicians, that. studio musicians. You know, <laughs> he, would, like, he he would not sell one no, fewer exactly. ticket yeah, by doing yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, and I I think it's a little bit of an obligation that like, okay, these are the guys yep. that were with right. me in the beginning. We were all together. We were yep. all kids. We all made it together and we're going to keep doing this every yeah. few years. And I, I like, I, I like that. And the next they I didn't see them last time they came around. I think they toured a couple of years ago. Um, they're one of those bands that like, okay, if it's super convenient and not too expensive, sure. I'll go see them, but I'm not going to like make go yeah. way out of my way. Um, and I think the last time I, I guess I would have had to sure. go two out of my way. So <laughs> this next time if they come, they're supposed to tour this year. And then of course that's all been. Canceled, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see when they reschedule everything. And yeah, I, I go back out and see him. Right. My wife is a big fan. So, uh, yeah. check yeah. them off the list. All right. We man. did it. Well, this has been great. So, all right. Okay. All right. Do put all the production value on it now. <laughs> okay. okay. Sounds good, man. Let's go like, let's go hardcore right. on it. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, until next time. All right. Bye. Awesome.